74%. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jenny Lam and my co-presenter today is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. On today's programme, we're talking about the future of orientation camps for students in Hong Kong following allegations of indecent assault and suspected drug use at one such O-camp at the University of Hong Kong. Orientation camps have been held at local campuses for decades. They're designed to welcome in new first-year students and help them make new friends and smooth out their transition to university life. But over the years, there have been repeated controversies surrounding these events, with claims that sexual suggestive games and use of abusive language are common. The latest allegations have yet to be proven, and university authorities are now looking into the matter, stressing that they are committed to, quote, promoting civility on campus. So what do you think? Are orientation camps still necessary? How can we ensure that these camps don't cross a line into hazing or worse? And at 9.45 this morning, we'll find out more about this year's Cross Harbour Swim. So let us know what you think. You can leave us a message here on our Facebook page, email us at rthk, backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233 Joining us on the line now is Susanna Ho. She's Senior Equal Opportunities Officer at the Equal Opportunities Commission, and she specialises in the Anti-Sexual Harassment Unit. Good morning, Ms. Ho. Oh, good morning, Jenny morning. and Janice. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. So how common are these uh, sexual harass- harassment allegations um, related to uh, university O-camps? Um, we do not have specific data on um, orientation camp, but what I can share with you is that um, there are um, actually not too many complaints involved in the education field um, for the past um, five years. Um, however, we do receive some inquiries related to the education area, say, for example, um, between teacher and student or among students. Um, there are about uh, one-tenth of our inquiries um, in the past year. So in this particular uh, uh, allegation, it's, it involves the uh, School of Nursing at the University of Hong Kong. And so these uh, freshmen, um, newcomers to the university, said that they uh, were groped by um, older students during these three-day camps. They felt trapped. They felt humiliated. They were asked to play, for example, um, a, a water gun game in which they were told to wear light-colored T-shirts, and they basically felt violated. Is is that something that you've seen before regarding uh, universities? Uh, we actually do not comment on individual or specific cases, but in principle, uh, we do advise universities to take a zero-tolerance stance of sexual harassment on campus. Um, in fact, we've been doing training to the universities, and the universities are um, actively seeking help from us on, on um, doing some training to their students and staff as well. Um, um, for example, um, we have helped uh, the UGC-funded universities to develop an online training module um, and it is rolled out this earlier this year. I can share with you some figures. Um, there are over 3,000 enrollments in the past, um, in, in January to May, and there we've recorded um, completions of um, almost 
um, 2,500 completions already. And um, I noticed some universities actually require new students to do the online training before their um, registration. So I guess the universities are actually fighting very hard to um, make um, sexual harassment, yeah, you know, and eliminate sexual harassment on campus as well. Right. You said uh, these universities, they've been asking the EOC for help. What mm-hmm. are some of their main concerns? Um, because um, education is one of the um, applicable fields under the, um, the SEO sex discrimination ordinance. Um, so um, they are very concerned about, you know, um, apart from um, in the employment life between the teaching staff, uh, among the teaching staff themselves, they are concerned about um, whether the teachers, uh, you know, um, they, they know how to behave. And also they want to make sure that students know their right. And especially um, some student leaders in, um, you know, organizing or executing the activities and events, they know what to do during these activities. So uh, we've been helping them to deliver, you know, um, these related content to um, to help them to educate the students in, you know, what is right or what is wrong during um, these events and activities. Right. And, and I know earlier you say you don't comment on individual cases. Um, mm-hmm. But when we look at uh, the latest, I mean, allegations, and, and these are allegations because uh, investigation is ongoing uh, by the university. Um, what does it actually reflect? Does it, does it show like a lack of awareness um, mm-hmm. when you when uh, when we look at uh, sexual harassment at uh, among university students? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I guess um, you know apart from um, what you know what kind of trainings that we help on um, universities deliver, um, it's kind of um, traced back into sexuality education or sex education when these students were younger. And um, that's what we've been proposing or recommending the government, um, the EDB, to look at um, to, you know, thoroughly review and reform sexuality education because obviously these misconceptions or stereotypes of women or men um, and um, about sex and relationship, you know, their knowledge, their awareness, they have to be sharpened during the teenager ages. So when they grow up, they know what is right, what is wrong, how to respect others, you know, um, um, no matter it's between same sex or among um, different sexes. So um, I guess um, this is something that we need to do it hand in hand. Um, you know, the EOC, schools and universities, as, as well as um, education in the family. Can you, can you just uh, remind us what actually constitutes sexual harassment in these scenarios? Sure, sure. There are basically two forms of sexual harassment. So um, first of all, it's person to person, any unwelcome sexual behavior or conduct which is offensive, humiliating, or intimidating. On the other hand, we have um, a hostile environment, which means an environment where there are actions, languages, or pictures there are of a sexual nature that makes it hard for the victim. So um, this is called a sexually hostile or intimidating environment. You mentioned earlier that it's important that students understand their rights. So when they encounter these uh, sexual harassment incidents, what are their rights? Um, it is the right for the aggrieved person to submit a complaint to the EOC, um, preferably um, 
before it, um, you know, um, um, no longer than 12 months uh, after what happened. But before that, if they have any doubts or questions, sometimes, you know, it's hard to believe what they have experienced or they would question whether they've been too sensitive. They are very much welcome to call us the anti-sexual harassment um, hotline at 2106-2222 to figure out what they can do and what they have been going through. 2106-2222. And so when they make these complaints and then you open a, a case file and follow through, what kind of outcome can they expect? Oh, in terms of um, conciliation or, or investigation, so the EOC actually may um, try to um, contact both sides and then um, do an early conciliation. If that fails, then uh, we may um, um, initiate an investigation based on the allegations. Can you give, give them an example of, of what happened in the past? If, if somebody, it's you know, the, the allegations uh, proved to be true, then what is the outcome for the victim mm -hmm. oh that depends on what the victim is looking for sometimes it could be just an apology sometimes in terms of um, whether there's any impact costing some you know um, perhaps medical expenses they may claim the respondent as well uh, sometimes they also request the uh, um, related organization related parties to formulate or to, you know, um, um, really execute the anti-sexual harassment related policies and measures. So it really depends. Okay, so joining us now at our Admiralty office is Joy Pamnani. Uh, she's a public speaking and debate coach at Inspire to Aspire Consulting. This is an organization that focuses partly on well-being, and she's also a co-founder at Hong Kong Recording Studio, and she was also a student at Hong Kong University. Also um, in our Admiralty office is Dr. Hayes Tang. He's an assistant professor at the Department of Education Policy and Leadership at Education University of Hong Kong. Let's go to you first. Joy. Actually, actually, before before we go to a Joy, maybe a, I know uh, Susanna Ho. She needs to rush off because she has a, another another uh, meeting. Miss um, Ho. Um, thank yes. you for having me. Yes, today. thanks. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, that's uh, Susanna Ho, Senior Equal Opportunities Officer from the uh, Equal Opportunities Commission. Okay, um, so Joy, uh, yes. about these O camps. You were at Hong Kong University yourself. Yes. What actually happens at these O camps? So I was actually a freshman back in 2016, and I joined something called WOW, Weeks of Welcome, and that was organized by CEDARS. So CEDARS is a department under HKU, and normally they have these Weeks of Welcome to help local and non-local students to introduce them to the university, like the facilities, and to help them make friends. So I joined I believe a two-day orientation camp back in my first year. So, so you know these allegations mm -hmm. with uh, the nursing school at the University of Hong Kong about sexually suggestive games mm -hmm. and, and people being groped. Are you surprised? Yeah, I am. I mean, the orientation camp was a wonderful experience for me. I, I remember we had 
team building activities we got to know our other classmates like we had a scavenger hunt we got a campus tour and yes we did have senior students lead our groups there were about maybe two three hundred students and we had activities throughout the day and in the evening it's actually a tradition for HKU students to try out high table dinner at least once during their entire academic life at HKU. So we got to try that out. We got to wear a gown and then we had to sit in the hall and there's a certain way you have to be formal with using cutlery and sitting there quietly having high table dinner but it's an experience so it's largely a positive experience positive for you. yes okay right. well uh, dr hayes tang um these OCAMPs are part of the co-curricular activities of of universities which you are involved in with with the policies what what are the rules and regulations regarding some of these camps but all, all this kind of camp, I think uh, there's a trusting relationship between the university and student societies, including uh, student dormitories and association. Um, and I think in the very uh, past, in the uh, transition of the university, in fact, the senior students are in charge uh, and they are accountable uh, to the uh, activities they organize uh, in the Susan Society or the uh, dormitory uh, orientation camp. Uh, so in the past, I don't think uh, there's a need for any kind of regulation. But uh, in recent years, as the society observed, a lot of misbehaviors uh, involving sexual har harassment. So the universities uh, start to uh, um, um, formulate a kind of um, uh, regulation so as to uh, monitor all these kind of misbehaviors. How, how do they monitor them? Um, they, 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 they will respond to all the reports about uh, that kind of uh, special, uh, sexual harassment or other kinds of misbehavior. Uh, and I know university can have some disciplinary actions on this kind of uh, misbehaviors uh, by that uh, student organizations. Are you surprised by these allegations uh, involving Hong Kong U recently? And, and what, what, so in, in these allegations, you know, following allegations, what is the procedure of investigation? Uh, I think individual university has its own kind of policy to deal with uh, this kind of um, yeah uh, misbehaviors and reports because it harms the uh, reputation of the universities. Yeah. Well, well, these old camps. So you said basically they're just largely student run. Yeah. What? So the universities monitor them and and then they handle complaints. Do you think that's enough or? there needs to be more involvement from university authorities? Yeah, I think, uh, yes, uh, starting with all these kind of cases, I believe uh, there should be an accountable system. For example, uh, when junior students join this kind of uh, orientation camps, if they uh, encounter any kind of um, misbehavior and, and, and this kind of uh, harassment, there should be the reporting system, even though they are uh, during the camp, uh, like uh, hmm. university can organize uh, some a hot knife for them to report for uh, this kind of uh, bad experiences. And right now when we talk about the, these uh, orientation camps, um, are they voluntary or are they mandatory? They are uh, voluntary, yeah, uh, but I believe uh, freshmen, new students, they always want to integrate in the new community. So most of them would like to join this kind of uh, orientation camps. 
Joy, was that mandatory or voluntary? No, it was voluntary. So I decided not to stay in a hall. And I know many halls have their own separate orientation camps, which are different from the ones that the universities and the student bodies organize. And from my friends that stayed at halls, they told me, they were quite rigorous regarding participating in activities. So if you're if you want to stay in this hall next year, you have to show that you're committed. You have to join one of the hall teams. You have to join the orientation camp, all of these activities. So even though, yes, voluntary, but they might have felt pressurized into joining it to just show, okay, I'm a loyal member of this hall and I want to come back next year. And we, we also saw where the halls that were close to campus, like on Pokfulam Road, many students would compete for those halls because it, it was quite convenient. But the halls in Kennedy Town or further away were not as intense with their orientation camps and extracurricular activities. So there's basically a lot of peer pressure. It may peer be pressure. voluntary, but there's a lot of peer pressure Peer involved. pressure, yeah, that's right. Okay, we have uh, an email from uh, one of our listeners, Henry. He says, orientation camps using those um, for sexual harassment or acts related to sexual harassment or have sexual implications is nothing new. And he's, he remember sexually inappropriate uh, act uh, several years ago. These were complaints by freshmen. So surely there may be many more cases unreported. Joy, do you feel that there are cases that are unreported, people who are just not confident enough to talk about it? Definitely students that don't have the courage to speak up or as we talked about earlier, it could be peer pressure. I want to stay in this hall. I want to stay in this hall that's right next to HKU. So I don't have to travel from a corner of the city every single day. So I'll keep my mouth shut if I have to. But if it means staying at this hall and not paying an expensive fee for rent or traveling from another corner of the city, then why not? So I, I can see there are a lot of reasons for students not to speak up. And Joy, I mean, earlier you, you talked about your experience uh, during orientation camp. You mm -hmm. said it was uh, positive. But then when you talked about uh, some of your friends' experience, uh, mm -hmm. the, the ones that stayed uh, at uh, university halls, you said you described it as uh, more rigorous. Mm -hmm. I mean, did your friends uh, sort of elaborate on, on what, they, what they meant by more rigorous? So many of my friends were non-local students okay and they had to find a place to stay in hong kong but i was staying at home so i didn't have that kind of pressure on me and because of that they were debating okay should i stay at a hall that's next to the university should i go find an apartment near hku should i go to those other student villages that are near Kennedy Town. So they were always debating, okay, if, if I stay at a dorm near HKU, I'll have to be really active in these hall activities. I'll have to join orientation camp. I'll have to join at least two clubs on behalf of the hall. And because of that, we see a lot of peer pressure to not speak up, number one, about sexual abuse. Number two, it adds a lot of stress to them. Like I remember a lot of my classmates, I, I actually studied journalism and finance and 
going into university, I was really happy because school was a stressful experience. And going into university, I said I won't push myself that much. But I noticed my other classmates were not so stressed about studies. But every time we finished a class, they're like, "I gotta go for football practice for my hall team. I gotta go swimming. I'm on the swimming team." So it made them a lot more stressed. Right, and、uh, Professor Tang. I mean,、uh, when we talk about these issues concerning、uh, orientation camps, I mean it's not just about、uh, sexual harassment. There have been bullying allegations in the past.、Um, I mean, from what、uh, Joy has been talking about, about I- I- is it really、um, related to maybe university hall culture? Do you think? Yeah, I think、um, one of the purpose of this kind of orientation camp is to pass on the tradition of like、uh, student hall. Um, and there's a hidden、uh, hierarchy between the senior students and junior students,、um, and I believe、uh, the problem also goes to there's a lack of space for peer to come together、uh, to reflect upon、uh, what is right and what is wrong, and what is good uh, about um, their um, transition and、uh, what the good university life、uh, freshmen should have. Um, so that that is、um, uh, how the peer ca- pressure uh, comes uh, in the do- and student community. What what do you mean by a lack of space for peers to come together for reflection? What? Yeah, we talk about a lot on peer culture. I I believe uh, students uh, want to follow suit what their senior did in the past, so they want to、uh, model what、uh, they have done in the past, so as to repeat the same cycle of this kind of activities. Um, so when I talk about、uh, lack of space, I believe、uh, university, for example, can create some occasion for、uh, junior and, and senior students, including alumni,、uh, to come together to to democratically、uh, talk about、uh, what is good and、uh, what would be a good mechanism for、uh, the future orientation camps to be organised in a more healthy and more helpful way. I mean, today we're talking about allegations that involve、uh, Hong Kong University, and and by a long shot, they they are not alone. I've I looked at this. Last year in 2022, there was a case involving the Chinese University of Hong Kong, where where people felt that there were chants that were used, and the wording was discriminating、um, against. People with disability. There was a case in、uh, Hong Kong Polytechnic University many years ago about students being forced to kiss strangers,、um, and th- these are th- just some of the things. And the recent case involving Hong Kong University also、uh, there were allegations of drug use. Is that is that a common complaint, Doctor Hay,、uh, Doctor Tang? Yeah, that that will be com- common complaints. But on the other on the other hand, we may not want to overgeneralize.、Uh, there are lots of、uh, different varieties of orientation camps, like what John has shared. There are a lot of、uh, good experiences and positive sides of orientation camps. And what I observe also is、um, the community building is very helpful for、uh, students to integrate in the new community, their university life. And the friendship they、uh, develop can last,、uh, yeah, like lifelong after graduation. Joy, how do you feel about more university authority involvement in orientation camp? More university authority involvement. I I do agree that, especially with 
the camps that are being organized by halls. So the camp that I attended was organized by Cedars, and they're already a separate department of HKU. But definitely there can be more supervision regarding these hall activities, regarding these orientation camps being held by halls, and we can make sure there's no sexual abuse, there's no use of drugs, and any other behaviors happening. What, what about outside the orientation camps in general, how the halls are run? Do you think that there needs to be more university involvement? I think there can be regular reviews, there can be checks within the system, like they can ask students about their personal experiences and is it really worth it? Is it really the right way to approach hall culture? Because if if I were to stay at a hall and at the end of the day, I only want to pay maybe a few hundred dollars a month for rent, but I have to take part in two teams and commit 100% and I have to excel academically and I have to join a high table dinner once a month and have to go through an orientation camp that's not a very pleasant experience. Is it really worth it? And can university authorities step in, intervene? Okay, maybe we can have activities to foster a sense of belonging towards the hall, but not go too extreme in that case. And Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, we'll have to break for the news in a minute and let's have a look at the weather right now. It's very hot and dry with sunny appearance today. The maximum temperature will be around 33 degrees in urban areas and a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Winds are moderate northerly winds. Um, the outlook is for very hot with sunny period tomorrow, windier with a few showers towards the weekend. The current temperature is 28 degrees Celsius and the humidity is 73%. And here's the news with Mark Owen. A patient's rights advocate says he supports the decision to drop manslaughter charges against two doctors who failed to prescribe medicine to a patient who later suffered acute liver failure. Alex Lam, chairman of the Hong Kong Patients' Voices, said the case failed to meet the high threshold needed to provide gross negligence. The police say they are rolling out advanced technology to boost their forensic capabilities, including equipment that can rapidly detect fingerprints even on challenging surfaces. And the foreign ministry in Beijing says mainland authorities have done everything they can to protect the safety of Japanese residents. It follows calls from the Japanese foreign minister for Beijing to end what he called harassments linked to the release of the wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear plant. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. And the new fixed penalty prices across Hong Kong. Littering, 3,000. Spitting, 3,000. Unauthorized display of bills, 3,000. Fouling of street by dog feces or dirtying public places, the sea, or country parks is subject to an increased fine of 3,000. Meanwhile, shopfront extension or illegal disposal of a large amount of wastes is subject to an increased fine of 6,000. The new penalties take effect from October 22, 2023. Don't pay the price. Keep our city clean. Take a happy ride with Joyo Card. Just tap and feel the joy of getting around. 
Hey pals over 65, you must apply for a Joy U card in phases by the end of this year. Your current octopus will not be covered under the $2 scheme in future. Hong Kong residents born in 1938 or before must apply for a Joy U card in September and October via Octopus app or by post. For details, visit the Joy U card website or call 3147-1388. Welcome back to Backchat. This morning we're talking about allegations of sexual harassment and drug use at an orientation camp at Hong Kong University. And joining us in our Admiralty studio is Joy Pamnani. She's a public speaking and debate coach at Inspire to Aspire and also a former student of Hong Kong University. And also with us this morning is Dr. Hayes Tang. He's an assistant professor at the Department of Education Policy and Leadership at the Education University of Hong Kong. So Dr. Tang, um, Hong Kong University is saying that they have policy and they committed to promoting civility on campus. What do you think that, um, how, how does that need to manifest in everyday life in, on campus? Civility, lack of you know, respect and uh, mutual respect and lack of uh, harassment. How do you think that should be on university? Uh, I think that uh, should be highly promoted and practiced in everyday life of uh, university campus activities and, and class, classroom teaching and uh, extracurricular activities. Uh, and I believe to understand the special news that we came across from time to time over summer about orientation camps, including those um, misbehavior, sexual harassment, uh, is the special occasion. Uh, and I believe in general, uh, university students should know they should behave decently uh, and they should uh, practice uh, their as, as civic awareness and yeah, to, to well behave. Just that um, this very special occasion of orientation camps give the chance and space for like senior students to do something uh, playful, fun and, and exciting and that uh, pass the boundary that uh, what uh, human beings and young people should do. Right. And earlier, our uh, one of our listeners, uh, Henry, he, he said, uh, like, uh, misbehavior or, or sexual harassment and these kind of things, they, they've existed for, for a long time. It's nothing new when we talk about orientation camps. Um, Dr. Tang, why? why? Why is it still here? I mean, shouldn't we know better by now? I think lack of awareness and um, when, they, when the senior student, for example, if they're organizer of the camp, uh, they want to play the role and want to risk uh, the, the, the uh, activities. Um, and uh, yeah, that kind of lack of awareness uh, should be enhanced. And, and I believe, after all, these kind of uh, very sad uh, reports and complaints, uh, that should be the accountable system uh, for organizers, student organizers for university and junior students uh, to come together to report any uh, complaints and uh, any suspected case uh, during uh, the orientation came. And uh, I know earlier before the news, you talked about uh, maybe introducing more regulations when it comes to orientation camps. Um, what else can be done, I mean, in terms of regulation? I mean, how, how can you strike the right balance? Because you don't want the university to be uh, too involved in these orientation camps that are supposed to be organized by, by uh, all the students, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe uh, we still want to respect the trusting relationship between senior students, junior students and the university. So I advocate there should be a regular uh, forum or a regular space for our students to reflect and to think about 
what is decency and what is uh, the future uh, uh, aspiration for a better orientation camp should be organized. But again, I think all these reported cases may, may not be the majority, just that uh, yeah, there are a lot of very surprising campaigns. But in general, I believe there is um, many good and a variety of different kinds of orientation camps. So, Joy, Dr. Tang is saying there needs to be more space for students to reflect among themselves what is appropriate behaviour on campus. Is this going on on campus? Do, do students do that? Uh, well, I can't speak for halls because I've never, I've never really been a part of a hall and not sure whether they have um, reflections. But I know when, when we took part in the orientation camp organized by Cedars, a few years later, they also asked us for help. Like they noticed, okay, we're gonna have an opening ceremony. Can you help out as an MC? Or in 2020, because of COVID, we couldn't have these events face to face. So they asked us for help. Can you produce some videos about about Hong Kong and tourist sites worth visiting in Hong Kong. So they regularly seek feedback from students, which is something I really appreciate. So if ever an incident like this were to come up, they could make sure it would not happen again. Earlier on this program, we had Susanna Ho, she's from the Equal Opportunities Commission, and she explained that the EOC produced these. Basically, there are a series of videos, a course that student online course that students can do to explain to them what their rights are, what constitutes sexual harassment. Joy, have you looked at that course? Do students even look at that course? Uh, I have not heard of it. I've actually graduated now, but I'm sure if the university plays it regularly, because whenever the university releases a video, they play it on UVision. So basically every time you enter an elevator on campus or you're walking from one department to another, there are a lot of monitors, TV screens, and you're very likely to pass by when you're going from one class to another. So even if they don't take the initiative to click on it by themselves, they might have come across it on campus. This is actually a MOOC. I actually uh, looked at it. It's, it's basically a, a series of, um, you know, graphics uh, explaining what sexual harassment is about and what you should do when you encounter it. Do you think that's enough just to do an online course? I mean, is, was there, when you were a student, was there actual sort of human interaction explaining what the problems might be and how you should handle them? When I was a student, I don't think so. I, I remember different departments were organizing activities that you could take part on a regular basis. Like if you've gone through maybe some trauma or some mental health challenges, then you can attend this event. You can listen to this expert and maybe you'll get advice on what you can do to improve your life or how you can speak up in this situation. But I don't remember any compulsory courses where we, we had to learn about this. Dr. Tang, what do you think? Just doing an online course, is that enough for an 18-year-old starting college? I think um, that may not be enough. And after all, uh, after uh, students uh, attain uh, all these kind of uh, activities and they gain the hard knowledge, they may not practice it in, in the actual orientation camp. 
So I believe、uh, what is more helpful is for、uh, student organizer to、um, creatively imagine what would be alternatives and what a better kind of orientation came. They want to、uh, organize rather than just follow the old traditions and the old way of organizing orientation games. And of course,、uh, earlier Susanna Ho from the EOC, she she suggested uh, um, that we should start earlier. I mean, when it comes to awareness of、uh, sexual harassment,、uh, that、uh, we shouldn't start uh, um, at uh, the university. We should even start maybe at secondary school or or even earlier.、Um, Dr. Tang, do you think that would be more useful? Um, again, I believe、uh, students are quite well educated about all this, but whether they want to practice it when they have the power and authority to organize、uh, orientation camps and activities for junior students, whether they want to follow what they believe or they want to risk、uh, doing something bad and、uh, not、uh, very appropriate. So uh, again, um, I, I I trust that、uh, students should、uh, have a better aspiration and to imagine what a better orientation camp should be in the future. What do high school students in Hong Kong get in terms of education regarding sexual harassment?、Um, what it I, is and what they should do? Yeah, I think、uh, they are quite、uh, well informed、uh, of all these. Uh, but again, when、uh, things and human activities are put into practice in everyday life, there's a lot of different kinds of consideration and constraints, including、uh, peer culture, peer pressure,、um, and all this kind of thing.、Uh, we really need more、uh, thoughtful consideration. And and in the meantime, when something Uh, bad happening. There should be immediate reporting system for yeah. yeah. You you said that the high school students are well informed. How how are they informed? I think、uh, in 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 their schooling,、uh, there are a lot of different、uh, classes and activities.、Uh, they are, are well informed of the、um, yeah education about、uh, sexual harassment and all this kind of、uh, yeah good knowledge. Is that your experience, Joy? Before you went to college. So when it comes to sex education, I have a lot of cousins in India, and I, I can definitely say Hong Kong in comparison to India, we're way ahead. But one thing is, I feel we're very textbook oriented. Like this is sex education. Here are the facts. Memorize them and put them on your exam paper, and it's done. But when a situation really comes up, then the ability to speak up for yourself and identify that, hey, this is not a case study that's happening in the textbook. This is my life, and I need to take action right now. I think that is something that needs to be emphasized more. And as opposed to just having talks or lectures about sex education, we can maybe have people come in and have sharing sessions where they tell their stories. They talk about how it took courage, it took bravery to speak up, but it was the right thing to do. And if our students come into these kind of situations in the future, they need to do the same thing as well. Um, sexual harassment aside, there was also allegations of marijuana use at this orientation camp. Is that something that you've come across, Joy, at、uh, university? Not, I have not come across that. But yes, I'm sure there have been many unreported cases in many universities. Dr. Tang, do you feel that's the case? I don't Drug have, use.、Um, I don't have knowledge about that. 
Uh, but I agree with Joy very much about the situation learning. Uh, although we are well educated and well informed of what is right and what is wrong, uh, but uh, when situation comes uh, and somebody uh, took the initiatives uh, to do something misbehaved, uh, what, how we should, uh, how young people should react? Uh, that is the matter to go against uh, the peer culture and to speak up. And this kind of practice and uh, strategies, I believe, uh, our education should teach more. Uh, for our young students. And, and Dr. Tang, I just want to go back to the point you made earlier when you when you were actually um, said about, uh, when you actually told us about uh, how you believe uh, many uh, university students, they are well-educated, they're well-informed, uh, they are aware of what sexual harassment is, but they still, um, some of them, like a minority of them still uh, uh, carry out, uh, still misbehave during uh, these orientation camps. So do you think um, the whole structure, the whole organization of these orientation camps should be uh, changed to prevent something like that from happening in future? Yeah, I, I believe um, uh, one practice for organizing orientation camp is for senior to take charge of all the things and to uh, uh, lead the junior students to integrate in the uh, culture like a whole culture or student society culture, uh, the tradition holds. Um, and I, I believe, yeah, we need some, we need some reimagination about uh, the function and organization of student orientation camps. Um, Joy, how important are these orientation camps as a rite of passage into college life? I think they are quite important, even though they're only voluntary. I would say my experience was good because I got to make friends. I didn't come into university with a group of friends that I knew I was going to hang out with. And we got to meet a lot of students from different walks of life, from different faculties. And I also feel as an ethnic minority in Hong Kong, sometimes you're with a local group of students and everybody's speaking in Cantonese. But during this camp, we spoke in English and we got to meet non-local students as well. And I've made a lot of friends that I'm still friends with today. So I'm very grateful for the experience. And uh, Dr. Tang, you, you talked about uh, the need for reimagination when it comes to these uh, orientation camps. How, how do we achieve that? I mean, because I mean, most students, they're so used to these uh, traditional orientation camps already. Yeah, we need space and, and occasion for open dialogue. Uh, on one hand, I, be, I believe uh, outside the occasion and situation of orientation camps, most of the students know that this is a bad behavior. We should not do that. Just that when they are organizer and they are in the situation of organizing these uh, orientation camps and junior students are joining that, um, they, they forget what is right and wrong. Um, so I, I believe outside the occasion and the season for orientation camp, there should be regular uh, open dialogue uh, including uh, the uh, university uh, counselor and 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 somebody outside the students uh, student body uh, to reflect uh, about the uh, reimagination of student orientation camps. Are there joy? Are there enough counselors to handle this kind of thing at Hong Kong University? 
Well, I'm not the right person <laughs> to ask regarding the number of counselors, but I'm sure they could find manpower from different departments to support this supervision process. Yeah, I'm asking that. Maybe Dr. Tang, you can answer that question. It's it's not just sexual harassment; just mental health in general at the university has has been a, a problem, in, especially during the pandemic. How can university better handle these mental stresses that students have? Um, I know uh, university quite well manpowered for uh, providing uh, student counselling. Um, uh, on the other hand, I believe uh, what is more helpful is that we construct a more uh, democratic and more um, supportive uh, community. Uh, and be critical about hierarchy, like between uh, student, senior students and junior students, um, and that kind of supportive and, and loving community uh, would help. Um, and and that and if students can enjoy more supportive and uh, communal life over uh, their studies and on campus, that would be helpful too. Thank you very much for this conversation. We were joined by Joy Pernini from Inspire to Aspire and Dr. Tang with Education University of Hong Kong. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. I'm Christine Choi, the Secretary for Education. Congratulations on the 95th anniversary of RTHK and many wishes for its future success. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88266 and have your say. Okay, it's now 10 minutes to 10 and we'll switch topic now to talk about this year's cross harbour swim and we're joined on the line now by ronnie wong she's the president of the hong kong china swimming association ronnie wong tell us about this year's cross harbour swim all right i think uh this year our uh, uh total number of swimmer allowed will be about four thousand. i think which is the uh, the highest number ever um, so, uh, as you know, today is the starting of, of, of the uh, submitting of the application. So every time we uh, uh, we have a, a, a lot of people trying to swim, so uh, uh, normally we have to uh, draw, uh, just like lucky draw, to 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 make sure that you know that it's uh, uh, um, uh, the people. Uh, are, are all uh, equally distributed. So, but also this year we have a, a, a several groups. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, the Bay Area, the uh, uh, nine or ten different cities, we give them a quota so that they can uh, come down to join our swim. And as well, we have an, an Asian uh, um, uh, championship. Uh, uh, this uh, cross up championship, or I would say the the, the marathon swimming championship, uh, expecting to have a lot of uh, soft swimmers from uh, different countries in Asia. So um, also uh, this year uh, we will have some uh, top swimmers from from the world championship uh, to come to Hong Kong to take part because next year we are organizing this. Uh, 
uh, uh, well marathon uh, swimming uh, uh, in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong League. So, uh, so I think uh, is uh, this year is going to be very, very a lot of activity. Okay. So, so I, I, yeah. Yeah. So registration starts today. This year, Cross Harbour Swim, I believe it will be on the 12th of November, which is a Sunday. Is that correct? The 12th of yeah, November. Yeah, it's on a Sunday in the morning, very early in the morning. Right, yeah. at like 7 a.m. And, and, and the swimmers will go from Golden Bauhinia in Wan Chai mm-hmm. over to the uh, Chim Sa Choi Promenade. Yeah? Yes. That's yes, about right. a one-kilometer swim. Now, this year's theme is Empower Happy Waves for All. And so you, you explain that there will be more sort of events and to be more inclusive. The 4,000 yeah. swimmers, do they have to go through some kind of qualification test? Before they yes, can... because um, uh, uh, as you know, uh, the cross harbor race uh, is occupying the harbor, uh, the, the middle of the harbor. So during our race, on both sides of the harbor, the the the, the ships has to stop for almost two hours. So we had to uh, start uh, very punctually and then return the harbor to the marine department so that uh, the traffic won't be uh, affected. Um, so. Um, uh, we will uh, uh, be uh, very strict on the uh, swimmer's ability. That's why all swimmers trying to uh, take part, they have to go through a water test first. So they have to swim uh, 45, uh, I mean 1,500 uh, meter uh, within 45 minutes. So if they cannot do that, so they won't even uh, be allowed to uh, uh, to do the uh, luck, to, to do the draw, and that that happens in a swimming pool. Uh, yes, the, uh, the 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 water test is in the swimming pool. Right, I, I won't be able to make it. <laughs> I don't think I can either. <laughs> Forty-five minutes, I think, <laughs> which is uh, I think some a lot of people uh, uh, if they continuously swim every day, I think it's, it's no problem. Yeah. All right, and so for for this uh, event, I mean, there are four thousand swimmers. Will you? I mean, how many extra lifeguards will you need? Actually, uh, uh, in addition to lifeguard, we also uh, employ a lot of the the, the, the canoe. Uh, also, they have people uh, on the canoe. Also, have the uh, this life saving uh, certificate. So I think we. We have to uh, uh, mobilize at least maybe 150 to 100 people on the water. And of course, the number of folks may be in, uh, around uh, 100 folks. So to make sure the uh, safety of all the swimmers. Uh, also, uh, that one, one thing very important is that those people uh, are not involved in the you know raising uh, category. They all have to wear uh, a boy, a live boy on the on the back, so that uh, th- that will be a lot less uh, safe right, for so, them. So, are you still uh, looking for lifeguards, or, or do you already have enough? Oh, we already have it. Yeah, uh, because of that they've been doing that every year for us. Right. But of course, as we as we uh, increase the number of swimmers, so we will probably have to uh, talk to them to try to get more. You know, uh, as, as soon as possible, they just uh, 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 make. Uh, arrangement for the lifeguard to be, be standby. Right, and if uh, some swimmers are, are thinking about joining the, the event, do you think there's enough uh, for time, uh, enough time for them to train? Well, I, actually, whoever uh, involved in a, a long, long, long distance swimming, they've been swimming. Uh, uh, most of them swimming the uh, whole year round. They swim every day, or uh, they swim 
uh, several times a week. So I think uh, every time we we have the harbor rates draw, I think it's all, normally it's over the the, the limited uh, number of uh, we, we can take. Okay, uh, I was just looking at the background of this cross harbor swim. It actually dates back to 1906 when there were just a few hundred people competing, and then you know it became more and more popular. But then in 1978, uh, they they stopped because of the water quality, and then they restarted again in in 2011. Uh, how safe or, or clean is the water now? Well, actually, it has increased a lot the water quality because we are. Uh, 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 I think we start uh, applying. To re, re, reorganize the uh, the, the cross harbor race in nine uh, two o uh, o five two o six, so uh, we've done that. We will apply for five six years. So eventually, two o one one we can start again. So because the the, the reason of you know the, uh, the take so many years, or because before that the, uh, they allow us they. Uh, have the water test every time, and then they said the water is not uh, good enough. Now it's okay. Uh, now I think we don't have any complaints so far from the swimmers that, that the water is no good. Is it going to be tested before this race? Again? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. We have to uh, test uh, the, the water uh, every time before. Uh, probably a few weeks before, you know, uh, the, the the water quality. What What are you testing for? Well, to to make sure the uh, water quality is you know still good for all the swimmers. But such as such as so, bacteria. So, so far, I think we do not have any uh, ne- uh, negative outcome of our test. Okay, you have a quota of four thousand uh, people this year, and you explained earlier earlier the the people from around Asia and from the Bay Area who will be joining certain events. Yes. What kind of promotion are you doing in the Bay Area, for example? Actually, uh, we, we uh, talked to the, uh, the, the, the Chinese uh, Guangdong uh, uh, province uh, government, the sports department, so that they uh, 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 disseminate all the information to the different cities' uh, sports uh, bureaus so that they, they already uh, are starting to... Uh, uh, to uh, uh, register. Um, wh- so what about three hundred uh, altogether? Three hundred quotas for them. For the so it actually each, for each city is about thirty. So, but I expect more 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 than that. But we can only accept thirty. You know, without draw. But anything above that, they have to also uh, uh, involve in the drawing. What about from the rest of Asia? What are some of the participating countries? Uh, the, uh, we ha- have uh, an endorsement from the World Aquatic uh, Association, uh, used to be called FINA, so that uh, they, they, they have endorsed our, 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 our race and also they will uh, promote uh, on our behalf to, to let the, the, the other countries know that we have a, a race like this. So because uh, starting next, next year, uh, we will have a, a also, uh, uh, a well um, marathon swimming. Also, uh, the same time as the harbor race. So, all countries from the, around the world will also come and will take part. All right. And uh, registration for the cross harbor uh, swim will begin today. And uh, when will it end? Yeah. Uh, I think so. I think so. Uh, mid uh, September. 
Right. And what if you get uh, more than 4,000 people registering? What are we going to do? I think we have to uh, go for a draw. Uh, 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 of course, 4,000, we just uh, uh, minus the 300 from the Bay Area and also minus the two uh, uh two uh, categories that are for the, the really racing, they, the people, the swimmers, they don't need to wear the uh, the, the, boats, the boys. So that, uh, well, uh, minus about 400, then we, we have about 3,600 uh, space uh, to be uh, to be involved in the draw. All right. Thank you very much, Ronnie Wong, uh, president of the Hong Kong China Swimming Association. And so... Uh, that's it for back chat this morning earlier we talked about allegations of sexual harassment and here's a new